and welcome to an all-new episode of Talking Foosball Extra, the Ausstieg edition. Yes, we're finally back. We're tan, ready and rested. At least one of us is. And that is me, Nick Wiltong, and I'm once again joined by my regular panel. On my right is our St. Pauli expert and uh, a man who has been able to celebrate five wins on the bounce. It's Mike Schrickemeyer. Yes, still celebrating. <laughs> and of course, wins against Hansa Rostock are very sweet. Right. Uh, you'll probably be celebrating with a beer from Bergen in Norway, I take it. Only Norwegian beer drinkers will get that joke. On my left <laughs> is Jasmine Barber. How are you doing today, Jasmine? Unfortunately, not a beer drinker, let alone a Norwegian beer drinker. So that joke has gone way over my head. But all good. Thank you. Right. Yes, she's drinking her fancy gin still. It's been four weeks since I, you know, left the cold in Norway and went to Oman to get some much needed sun relaxation, a bit of desert, a bit of vadis, you know, all the stuff that one needs in February, basically, if we're being honest. So a lot has happened since. So in part one of the show, we'll do some housekeeping. What's been going on in the Bundesliga too, because there's been a lot going on. And in part two, we'll do some housekeeping in the lower divisions and talk about all the latest news from the lower divisions as well. So all of that is to come. Right, here we go. Part one of the show where we'll be looking at the Bundesliga 2. So the last time we left you, Nuremberg were in a bit of a pickle because they had recently fired their coach, Robert Klaus, and replaced him with Marcus Weinziel, who, um, as we all said, was a bit of a strange choice. Given the sort of football that he played, it was a bit of a puzzling choice. And, well, uh, Marcus Weinziel, he lasted not that long, did he, Jasmine? What happened to him? I think what everyone expected to happen to him, given Nuremberg's situation in so close to relegation and even in relegation, he didn't really find the right ways to get that team out of it or clear enough out of it. I don't think he had the worst run in his time as manager. He had three wins, three draws and five losses. That's not the worst. But apparently the 5-0 away at Heidenheim was so terrible that they just thought, yeah, this might not get better. We better cut our losses quickly and change it while we're still ahead for something a little bit more concrete or not concrete when you look at who they've brought in and what the plan going forward is. So, Mike, who did Dieter Hecking pull out of the hat? Yeah, well, I think every one of us would do you can only rely on yourself <laughs> so he picked a coach he is very familiar with he picked Dieter Hacking <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean it sort of reminds me of the old Felix Maggot story when he took over Wolfsburg as a, both of a sporting director and a coach but he was first hired as a sporting director by Wolfsburg and the officials from Volkswagen asked him well Felix who would you hire as a coach myself he answered and that's what he did. Anyways, uh, Dieter Hacking, he had to start against Sandhausen, another team that just sacked its coach. What happened there, Jasmine? 
Yep, they suck to Alois Schwartz. I guess for the second time, I feel like he. I've. This has been a deja vu. Um, so many coaches are moving in the lower leagues of Germany. I cannot keep up. And they brought in Thomas Orl, uh, who was ex Ingolstadt. I don't think the end of Ingolstadt, someone might remember better more than me, the, like what happened at Ingolstadt with him. I'm pretty sure there was quite a big fallout, but I'm not sure if I'm remembering that properly. I think, I think he's been at Ingolstadt twice, though. Oh, God. Yeah, like Alois Schwarz in Sandhausen, and I think he was their coach when they got relegated to League 3 the last time. Yeah. But I might be wrong no, on that. No, I think, I think you're right. And there was something about the players. He didn't have a good handle on them. Anyway, Thomas Oral is um, ex-assistant coach of Felix Magat, um, funnily enough. And Sign of quality. Basically, I, I don't know why we haven't seen Thomas Oral at Sandhausen sooner because he is classic 442, football is work, man to man marking, all of that dredged Sandhausen alloy Schwarz stuff on steroids. So, yeah, that's I, we have to see how that goes. And a little note on um, Nuremberg, too Dieter Hecking is only interim until the end of the season where they look to solidify a new option. He did bring the under-23s head coach, Christian Field, with him as assistant coach at this time. For those who do remember or don't remember, Christian Field was head coach of Dresden, kept them up one season, and then in the new season was in relegation again. So quite interesting to see the dynamic there. And if he takes over in the head coach role because he was doing quite well with the under-23s in the summer. So, yeah, one to keep an eye on there. Well, I mean, it's sort of like, uh, I mean, one of the things that really got between Hacking and Weinzel was the fact that uh, Weinzel, after a while, commented in the press and uh, in personal conversations with Dieter Hacking that, you know what, the, the squad has been put together, Dieter. It's a bit uneven. Uh, it's overrated in terms of its quality and Dieter Hagen said well you, what what did you say the squad that I put together is overrated and that made Dieter Hacking think that he himself might be better suited to you know get the business done and get Nuremberg out of that relegation quagmire so first matchup was Nuremberg against Sandhausen truly a magnificent performance by Nuremberg wasn't it out there in the snow against Sandhausen oh, it was not the best quality of matches. I only saw a little bit and I think that was too much. <laughs> but yeah, they came away with a win um, from a penalty from Cadwo Drua. And I have to I have to disagree with Marcus Feinzel. And okay, yeah, the, the squad was uneven because I remember us saying at the start of the season they had like 10 strikers. Completely true. But overrated. They have a lot of good quality there, and they should know be nowhere near the bottom. So, well, wins a win. Let's keep going for them. I mean, I think Dua also scored the, the first match against Sandhausen, which also was a one 0 win, well, with a late goal. So, these two matches could actually be key in terms of keeping Nuremberg in the league. So, we'll see what happens there. Anyways, some actual football was being played as well because let's be honest, Nuremberg against Sandhausen wasn't actually a football match, really, was it? So, Mike, let's turn to your team, St. Pauli. Five out of five, as I mentioned on the top. So, what's been done there? What has your new guy, your 
new coach, you know, the new wonder boy who just turned 30, Mr. Hertzler. What has the American done at, at St. Pauli? The American, yeah, he was born in Houston, that's right. Yeah, well, if you would ask him, uh, he would say, not much. And this is what, what he stated from the very beginning. We, we did a good job as a coaching team in the first half of the season, and I don't need to change everything. So I just want to change some bits and pieces and uh, continue keep up the good work and this is what he did and of course he also benefited from two really important signings um, it's uh, Oladapo Afoleon who came in from England and it's also Karol Metz Dapo as we call him because Oladapo Afoleon is too long for us um, or too complicated He's running on the left-hand side and he, he he's also really good in getting some free kicks. And uh, on the weekend, he made the assist for our Jackson Irvine, as we call him. So not Irvine anymore. It's Irvine because he always scores with his hat. There are some, some nice stickers coming up with uh, Irvine um, and the logo of the Nike Air. But okay, sorry distraction yeah and and of course Carl Metz he's he's really really great in in uh, in the defense and he gives the security that uh, especially Jakov Medic needed beside him and yeah well we, we five wins just one goal conceded this is remarkably I think we didn't do so great in those matches especially in Nuremberg and also the one yesterday against Rostock it could have been also a draw for example uh, but we do have the luck that we didn't have in the first half of the season and so we just need 12 other wins to get promoted great Karen Matz by the way has played for my local team in Stavanger speaking same as actually Julian Rierson as well, who's now playing in Dortmund. What, what an insane world it is. Tell us a little bit about what's going on around the match. I mean, the, the matches between Pauli and Hansa Rostock, as we talked about earlier, they're not necessarily cozy affairs, are they now? Yeah, you wouldn't call it a friendly. Um, I think we have talked in, in the first half of the season about the match in Rostock and exactly what you expect to happen happened yesterday um the yeah there were there were I, I i wouldn't even say riots because there were no clashes between fan groups outside of the stadium but uh, the the game was interrupted at the beginning of the second half for pyrotechnic and it was not only some pyrotechnic as you might know it from other games there were flares and rockets shot into the other parts of the stadium especially into the home home area of course they totally uh, destroyed the toilet area and they threw with wash basins what's the english word for waschbecken i'm sorry sinks yeah this yeah the actual sink correct that they threw with that into the other areas they uh, injured a security guy with that who got that on his head um there there were uh, these these uh, polish fireworks uh, exploded next to the ear of someone who was also injured so really really bad things 
in the end, you can say that's what you expect from Hansa Rostock and especially in a game against St. Pauli. They also had that Lichtenhagen banner again uh, in a very present stage at the curve. Uh, so Lichtenhagen, you might remember the programs from, I think, 1993, if I'm not 1992, uh, where some asylum seekers were... Um, yeah, threatened. And uh, the banner is, of course, only a banner from the district in Rostock, but uh, it's not a coincidence that this is only shown in the games against St. Pauli. And it was in the first game of the season, and it was also against, uh, uh, again, shown yesterday. Yeah, and they just do this because they play against us. Today, there were also some pictures published that some of the Nazis who were responsible, or at least one person who was responsible for the riots back in 1993, uh, was involved yesterday and he was standing there. Uh, he's a convicted guy from that riots since, from that, that, that riots back then. And so, yeah. The usual stuff when you play St. Pauli versus Rostock, unfortunately. I think it's the first time back for some uh, for Hans Rostock's fans at the Milan Tour since what was it, Kicker Road 2009? I mean, there has been a, a ban on away fans in, in those matches for a long time. Correct. They were not allowed to get there two times or they decided to do not show up uh, because the ticket contingent for them was reduced. And then they said either all or no one. And this is the same what happened last year when the pandemic was still active and uh, only a very small contingent was allowed to them. And also the 3G, 2G discussion that we had. Um, so in the end, this was the first time with a full away end in that match since, yeah, I think it was 2009. Great. Always lovely to see them. A little bit further up at the top of the table, Darmstadt, uh, the first place team, was taking on HSV, the second place team. I mean, how have Darmstadt and HSV gotten to the top of the table and how have they stayed there for that long, Jasmine? I mean, the, it's truly a mystery, isn't it? Yeah. And especially what we say like out all the time about oh, you know about the Herbmeister, they would never get promoted. And yet Darmstadt, with the injury crisis they seemingly always in this season, are six points away from the relegation playoff and, it, what, 10 points away from no promotion places at all. So how they've kept it up, I honestly do not know. And the same goes with Hamburg too, the amount of, okay, maybe not injuries, but the amount of chaotic episodes they go through is also truly almost inspiring how much chaotic episodes they get into and manage to still win and keep the table, the top of the table, quite tight for an interesting race. Right now, they're both in automatic promotion places with Heidenheim behind him 43 points, HSV on 45 and Darmstadt on 49. So it was really exciting to see these teams on Saturday evening to see if one could go closer to the other or not. Obviously, we know it's a 1-1 draw at the end, but the actual game itself was really, really exciting with Hamburg going up from a Königsdorfer 
goal after four minutes. And I thought, okay, the nerves have finally settled in for Darmstadt. The injuries have finally gone too far. They're not coming back out of this. But it was actually really even, very high tempo, very, uh, let's just say everyone's attitudes was firmly on the edge of spilling over. Carsten Villman got booked at one point, which, and Torsten Lieberknecht wanted to fight the whole Hamburg bench. So, um, yeah. But I mean, that's Lieberknecht's natural state of mind, isn't it? He could pick a fight in the kindergarten. Yeah, exactly. Uh, He probably does. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. (laughs) Ask his sons. No one will take that out of context, (laughs) hopefully. No, but it, I mean, it's really interesting. The fact that neither of the team could taken advantage from it but also just wider implications on the league and the teams themselves so for instance Stoyelkovic that we mentioned in our favorite signings bit in our last podcast scored the equalizer that was one of yours yes yes he was and even though he didn't do anything on the game Andres Nemet has scored two goals in 41 minutes for HSV so yeah really exciting And I'm sure HSV are going to do some more crazy stuff we'll talk about later because I think we'll be here all evening if we've gone on on what HSV have done in the last three weeks. Tell you what, I mean, every time I I didn't didn't necessarily have the best internet reception in Omanas is, you know, 4G is quite pricey. So I I only went for Wi-Fi internet, um, save a bit of money. But, you know, whenever I got to a Wi-Fi spot that I could use and my the push um, notifications from Kicker started coming in, every second one of them was an HSV scandal. So I'll tell you what, <laughs> we skip past them this week and uh, next week we can do sort of like a housekeeping episode just looking at HSV scandals, which is uh, going to be um, fun and informative, I hope. Yeah. Get a popcorn machine, you know, we're telling you now. Because you'll need it. Anyways, behind HSV, uh, another team is creeping up, which is Heidenheim. They they actually won on the weekend. They're now only two points behind HSV on, on 43 points. Uh, they actually uh, managed to get a very good result against Bielefeld. A 1-0 win there. Tough place to go, Bielefeld, even though they're down in the dumps. Now, Heidenheim are playing Darmstadt next week. I mean, how tight could this get? Very I can't wait. I, it reminds me of last season towards, I think it was around March, when they faced each other and Darmstadt needed to go on a winning run to get close to promotion or were already on top and needed to keep that on. And they faced Heidenheim and I don't think they have the best record against Heidenheim and they went 2-0 down. And I think in the last 10-15 minutes, 1-3-2. So these two will be really really exciting to play against Heidenheim I think this might be the season that Heidenheim go up and Sandhausen go down the famous they'll break each other's curse and it will happen but the continuity the kind of recruitment that's gone with Heidenheim even when they slip up like they did a few weeks ago against Eintracht Braunschweig they seem to bounce back straight away and they're just quite stable and it's no surprise that Tim Kleindienst, who has been so good for so long, has finally hit his actual peak and is currently top scorer. And the fact that Jan Niklas Buster, another player we said was one of the probably one of the best signings on the summer, 
has provided seven assists and six goals along with that. So we we finally got a great provider for Tim Kleindienst. So honestly, I do not know how that match is going to go. This league is unpredictable as it is to see two really good sides, especially one that keeps on performing despite having loads of injuries to their starters in Darmstadt. Not a clue how it's going to go. And the the situation in the league um, will also be, or probably can be different on that evening because Paderborn plays St. Pauli on the previous day. Let's assume they win it. They will be on 42 points. And on Saturday afternoon, we have HSV against Nuremberg. So HSV needs to beat their former coach, Dieter Hacking. And I just assume that Dieter Hacking would love to win 1-0 again, as he always does. And uh, that might also be challenging because for Darmstadt, that would open up the door to get seven points ahead of HSV. On the other hand, for Heidenheim, it would be the chance to get into the second position if HSV loses, loses against Hacking, of course. But And the other way around, if Paderborn loses, if HSV wins, it's a totally different situation. So before you watch the game, you should take a short look at the table, how the situation is. Paderborn win and Hamburg win, then we've got a three-horse race. That's fun for everyone. It is indeed. And let's change topics ever so slightly. One of the teams that we, uh, or I at least, predicted to be favourites to go up this season was Hanover 96. I mean, they did a lot of shopping during the summer transfer window and the names that they've gotten in, on paper at least, look like a great bunch of lads. But right now, this great bunch of lads under the leadership of Stefan Leitl, who was touted as one of the hottest coaches Germany had to offer uh, after he uh, got Reuterford promoted to the Bundesliga. Well, uh, he somehow has lost his magic touch with Hanover, it seemed, in terms of getting teams relegated, uh, well, relegated, promoted, I mean, from the Bundesliga 2 to the Bundesliga, because Hanover, let's be honest, have never really been that close all season long to get into the thick of it in the promotion race, because they've been adjacent to it sort of but they've never been in the thick of it and now they've won one in eight matches what's happened has anything even happened like we keep on saying how bad their defense has been all season and it it, it just keeps on coming to a head like four goals against Paderborn they just can't keep a clean sheet to save their life I've just always seen them concede three against Kaiserslautern. They get completely obliterated by anyone who can run at them. They just completely crap themselves. I think that is a kind of telltale sign of Stefan Leitl. And one of those things that he's never really been able to grasp as well. I think the kind of signings they made was mismanaged. Even though most of them were free, they were just they picked the best of the bunch and tried to throw it together. I don't know if any of it fits. And yeah, now it just I don't know how they get out of it. They've just never had any like redeeming qualities at all this season. So I can't say what their strong points are. Toicher seems to be scoring out of his skin despite not offering anything. So I don't know how that works either. They are just a muddled team and I, they're just puzzling and I don't know how they're supposed to figure any of this out 
And now I'm annoyed because they took the best talents of the league that were free, like Neumann and Bashukov. Kunze. Yeah, Kunze. And yeah, it, I don't know why they're so bad. It must be something of Stefan Leiter's um, philosophies that he can't nail down when the opposition run out of him. Something about his counter defense, or just general principles of keeping possession and just their structure. I mean, I commented on, on this after the first match against Paderborn, which I think ended in a 3 2 win for Paderborn after Hanover had led like twice, I think. Yeah. If memory serves. And my first comment was, and I'm by no means an expert on tactics or anything like that. How on earth could it be that diagonal balls always put the Hanover defense into such amount of trouble? I mean, every time Paderborn played a diagonal ball, they actually managed to get into the box and create a chance. And diagonal balls are simple to defend because, first of all, they're in the air for quite some time. And, you know, it takes quite some time to get them down. So, for them to be effective, you must leave your opponent a lot of space. Structure. Yes. I mean, that hasn't been fixed. So, it, I mean, my question basically is, I mean, is, is it Lytle's tactics or is it something about how this team has been put together as well? I mean, if you look at Hanover last season, it, I mean, they're not better. <laughs> I, 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 it's a hard one. I would have to say it's both. Like, I think it was a bit of mishmash of qualities, which sometimes you need. You need different players to give you different options. But remember how Stefan Lytle, how was, he was like really bad with that in the beginning and they just gave him chances and he developed and grew. What if he's not that actually good and he needed a platform to like stick with it and grow? Hanover weren't really looking for that. And I'm afraid they got the wrong person for that team. Right. And now it's too late to do anything about that because they're out of the promotion race. This is it for part one of our show. We'll be back in part two with all the latest from the Dritte Liga and the divisions below. Here we go, it's part two of the show, and well, let's start with the Dritte Liga. There's been an awful lot going on there as well, because, hey, Bayreuth, the city of the composer Wagner, they have been on a bit of a winning run, as have been Osnabrück. I mean, Mike, do you know anybody famous coming from Osnabrück? No, I just know there's one song called Ich fand das ganz große Glück in einem Zug nach Osnabrück. So uh, I found all the luck in the world on the train to Osnabrück and it's by the famous singers uh, Cliff and Rexona. Wow. So. Well, there you go. If you need any more Osnabrück references, get in touch with at Mike Crew on Twitter. But obviously nobody famous coming from Osnabrück, it turns out. Anyways, both Bayreuth, the Wagner city and Osnabrück, the lucky city, they are, you know, on a lucky streak, as it turns out. Jasmine, t- tell us what has happened with these two teams, because Bayreuth, at least, were, they were struggling big time when we left you the last time around. Yeah, they were in relegation zone, along with, I think, Dortmund's Spy, Hallischer, and I'm guessing Zwickau as well, because it's always Zwickau roundabout there. They changed their manager. I'll be honest, I haven't been keeping that much about Bayreuth 
on my mind. I know they changed their manager. I couldn't tell you who took over because Byron managers went to our. Is that the story? Timo Ross. Yeah, Timo Ross. Is he still at our? No. No, he's not. No, because he was awful. Now I remember what happened in this link. And I don't know who they got brought in. I'll be honest. Someone will have to say the name with me because I've been keeping more of my eye on Osnabrück, who in the last podcast I said to keep an eye on. And then they went on to a formidable winning run and um, was looking for their eighth win in a row since Tobias Schweinsteiger took over. Really crazy attacking football. The brother-in-law of Anna Ivanovic, if yeah. you must wonder. But that's the only way he's famous. Also assistant coach of Dieter Hecking and Tim Walter as well. Uh, seeing as those names keep on coming up. Yep, we're looking for their eighth win in the row. And these seven runs have, as you can imagine, in these leagues, any kind of winning run puts you forward up for promotion. So now Osnabrück is now one of the ones to look for. But Bayreuth from 2-0 down upset their day, upset their run, and also stumbled Osnabrück's race to promotion. So, yep, they were 2-0 down, and in the 76th minute, scored three goals to take the lead at full time. So uh, I believe, I can't remember if it was... uh, Schweinsteiger's first loss or he lost one when he first came in but yeah it's made the whole a lot has gone on around the promotion stages in the Dritte Liga since we last left off so um, Saarbrücken has fumbled a bit Wiesbaden have lost their last two games so are starting have, have dropped behind Freiburg's five Obviously, Freiburg's fight can't go into the second division, so that place is basically free. So as it stands, Wiesbaden is still second, but have dropped closer to the likes of uh, Mannheim, who went on a really good run. Dinamo Dresden is one of the best informed teams of um, the league at the moment. I think they're fourth best. All starting to catch up. We said Dinamo Dresden was around eight points off, and now they're only four, uh, six. I can't do maths <laughs> or, or, or two points if you're thinking about um, yeah. the promotion place. That Freiburg's fi not actually counting always messes me up. So yeah, the race for the promotion places, apart from Elfersburg, who's um, nine points ahead of, no, not nine points, 13 points ahead, really. It's quite interesting, apart from whoever's first right now. Well, Elfersburg with 13 points, but yeah, so really interesting there. Right, and you know, another thing that's been sort of a trend at the Dritte Liga is that around about this time, you know, coaches have had the winter break to adjust things and work things out with the teams, and then they're given one or two matches and then they're sacked. And that's been going on a lot since we last spoke. So, uh, Jasmine, why don't you take us through all the highs and fires of, of late? So, um, last time we spoke, that day that we recorded Achtensexig, Hallescher and Ingolstadt all fired their coaches. But since then, uh, Svekau joined them by sacking both their uh, manager and sporting director. And Dortmund's Zwei fired um, the most loved coach in the world, Preusser, who you've heard me rant a number of times probably last season from his managerial stint at Dusseldorf, and they hired another one of my favourites, Jan Zimmermann, which you might have remembered 
from Hanover last season who hadn't really managed before, let alone in professional football. He took over Halvese. I think that was his only managerial stint near any of the professional leagues. So yeah, I don't know if Dortmund's fight are preparing for the Ligina Liga or just trying to give um, Jan Zimmerman a chance. But then we also had the highest of the teams that we talked about before. So Nick, I think you should tell us about Achtin Zegzig because I think <laughs> you know more about this one because I thought it was Achim Bayerlotzer until you told me, no, he didn't actually join. No, he didn't. I mean, what happened, and I've gotten this from the internet and from Kicker and Abendzeitung and, and a few other Munich publications, but what actually happened was that sporting director at 1860, a man by the name of Gurnensel, wanted Achim Bayerlotzer, as you told me, to join the club. But now, 1860, they do have a bit of a shortness of cash situation going on. So um, by a lot of former Bundesliga manager who's been at Mainz doesn't necessarily come cheap for third division teams. And Gerenzel was told by uh, 1860 Munich sugar daddy, well, that Bayer wasn't really his kind of man and he didn't want to spend any cash on that. But uh, hang on, there's a guy who's applied for that job. It's a guy by the name of Maurizio Jacobacchi. The Swiss guy, uh, 60 years old, you know, he just had a stint in Tunisia where he basically coached a team for like eight or nine matches and only has won two of them. Why don't you look you know, into this guy? Um, he's also been at Grenoble in France where he uh, lasted for six months. So he must be quality, uh, said Hazen Ismag, and he's my preferred solution. And in the end... Sad man by the name of Jakubaki, who actually sent in his CV himself to 1860 Munich because, you know, working in Germany for a traditional big German club might be a fun thing to do towards the tail end of your career, in which he really doesn't. He's coached loads and loads and loads of different teams in Switzerland, mostly lasting like half a year, one year. At the beginning of his career, when he was at Schaffenhausen and a couple of other sites, he actually lasted for a little while longer. I think he was... Three years at Kriens, which was his longest stint anywhere, but be that as that may. Yeah, I mean, he really hasn't shown the quality of being able to go abroad and coach a team because he's done it twice and failed both times. And now 1860 Munich said, you know, he's, he's the guy who can turn things around and get us back into that promotion race. They should have just gotten only 40 if they just wanted a Swiss manager. Surely he's on free. He's on free. He's not on Twitter and uh, OnlyFans, but um, yeah. If he might need some cash for his OnlyFans expenditures, uh, Ude Forte, so he he would have taken it, I'm sure. Other clubs who have now had new managers, so Halischer have gotten Sreto Histic, ex-Kickers Offenbach, was the assistant of Horst Stefan, of now leading at Elfersberg, at Stuttgart Kickers Preussen Münster and Chemnitzer, Ingolstadt hired Guido Capretti, obviously ex fail and also ex Dresden of last season, could not get them to stay up, failed the promotion playoff, I was there, and also experienced some fireworks in the home end. Svekau hired a, a guy called Ronnie Thielemann. I don't really know who he is. I've looked at his transfer market. He's done a tour of all of like the East German youth clubs. He's gone through Magdeburg youth, so I guess it's... First real head coach experience there. And obviously Dortmund's by Jan Zimmermann. So yeah, those are all the different Dritte Liga hires of the last three, four weeks. 
Great. And now that we've spent 55 days talking about them, I'm sure that another coach just has gotten fired. A little bit of news. VfB Oldenburg, their stadium has been back in the news. Now, Mike, you've told us about their stadium before. Now, tell us what happened this time around. Well, you remember this crazy story that they don't have any floodlights because uh, there could be distractions to the uh, motorway next to it and to the drivers. So that's the reason why they are not allowed to play their their evening games uh, in the Dritte Liga. And I think it was last week on Monday when they first needed to their exchange stadium, which is the Niedersachsenstadion in Hannover. And in this 55,000 uh, capacity arena, they played, I think it was Halle and 1,500 people were there. They also lost. So it was really, really something you don't want to see. Coming back to your question, yes, there is the plan to build a new stadium, of course. And there are, as it is always in Germany, there are some locals who try not to allow it. And so there are discussions going on. And today there was a um, decision in the local state of Oldenburg and they, this is exclusively announced here in this podcast now, the plans will go on. So they try to build a new stadium. And it will be next to the big uh, hall in Oldenburg where also the basketball players play. And they will try to bring this into the licensee agreement for next year so that they can keep playing in uh, Marschwick Stadium next year with an exception again. Um, but I think the new stadium will not be finished before 2026. So they might need to extend this exception for another two or three years if they stay in Dritte Liga, of course. Well, right now they are in the dumps because they haven't been winning any of their matches of late. I mean, they haven't won since their Let's see. I've been. I'm scrolling on my mobile phone, and I'm scrolling since last year. Uh, they've, yeah, well, it's 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 been a while. It's, they haven't won since October second, when they uh, managed to beat Victoria Cologne to one. Since then, no, they won against Zwickau on uh, January thirteenth. But other than that, they they haven't won since October second. They managed to sign uh, Mark Stendera, Mark Andre Stendera, who many of you might know from Simon Eintracht Frankfurt. Now, uh, he uh, really did his side of world of good when he got sent off against Verl just after his team had managed to get an equalizer. And uh, Verl then went on to win the match 2-1. Anyways, so Oldenburg are in a lot of trouble. Three points behind safety right about now. So uh, we'll see how that goes. We've been talking a lot about Gucci München on this podcast last season we did because, well, suddenly they went out of the Dritte Liga because they went uh, bust. But now they've applied for a new license in the Dritte Liga. How come? Yeah, I think you need to ask them because no one understands that. Before we discuss that in detail, just let's take a look at the table. We see Unterhaching at first with 57 points. Then we see Würzburg, Nuremberg 2, Aschaffenburg, Bayern Munich 2. And then we do see Turgutu and they have 37 points. So... Und Aching, 57, Türkgücü, 37. 
it just makes no sense. And I mean, it's they just still win. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do they have seven games? Oh, yeah. Okay. And um, it, it, they don't even have a stadium still. So I don't understand that, and uh, I think it's it's more a joke. And uh, even if you say, okay, well scroll back in time and four weeks ago it was just five points or something no Unterhaching and Würzburg were at the top of the table with a huge break all season long there were no point in time when Toguchi was even close to them uh, maybe except for the first three or four match days so um, yeah maybe maybe it's just they, they want to be in the headlines again that's the only reason I can imagine I mean I'm looking at the table myself and you know I mean I said seven wins. It's only seven wins. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm lying because Tukic actually has a match in hand. It's only six wins. Well, even the game in hand, they need to win. Yes. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, they have got 15 matches left and I think have 14 matches left. So, yeah. Tough ask. I mean, they went out of the league and they they really put the, the whole misery of being in the Dritte Liga on the map because they were one of those clubs that... That was um, mostly funded by Sugar Daddy. So were KFC Erdingen. Now the DFB has actually tightened its licensing agreement for teams in the Dritte Liga because of Tuguchi Munchen. Would would they at all get one this time around if they were to be promoted? I mean, if if something really crazy happened and let's say um, Unterhaching suddenly found found out that they were going to lose eight matches on the bounce, and so did Würzburg, and uh, you know suddenly Tuguchi popped up there. Well, you never know because the licensee uh, thing is handled by the DFB and they don't uh, announce anything before their final decision. I think you can apply for the license until the end of March or I think so. The start of March, I think. That's why it's all coming out, which clubs are ah, okay, yeah. going for it. Yeah, not. could be. And uh, so we will hear the dis decision in the next couple of weeks and then you always if if the license is not granted you can always uh, do further adjustments and then um, they they might do a new decision i don't know beginning of april or something yeah but for, for me it wouldn't be a surprise if the uh, license is not granted and um, of course if you ask them and and some local newspapers did it Toguchi, of course, say it won't be a problem, but I do really have some doubts. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mike, uh, just to round off the show, uh, uh, I hear that you have some ground-hopping advice for our listeners in the UK. Yeah, you probably heard of Dunfermline. Uh, yes, it's, 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 you know, if you want to live the high life in the UK, you move to Dunfermline. That's <laughs> what I hear, heard. It's a small area near Edinburgh of course and St. Pauli place there so Dunfermline let, let me put it the other way around so it, it was a an, an evening in Hamburg back in I think November where we had a, a podium discussion here and uh, one guy from the board announced that St. Pauli will do a friendly game in Scotland next year in summer and of course the media was all shouting, hey, great, we will play at Celtic. 
Um, no, we will play it not permanent. Um, and the reason for that is that uh, our former player, manager, and coach Thomas Meckle, uh, he's in charge now at Dunfermline. They are first in third league, so they might be second league next year when we get there, or in summer when we get there. And nevertheless, when we start the new season, uh, end of June 23rd, it's a Friday, we will play at East End Park. 11,500 people can be there. I'll be one of them. If you want to join me, feel free. Right. I just Googled Dunfermline and, um, you know, um, Dunfermline is actually uh, part of the 5% most deprived areas in the whole of Scotland. It has a population of 58,508 people by the estimation which was made by mid-2020. And yeah, uh, you know, from the pictures of it, it looks like a it's like a lovely place. Lovely. I mean, yeah. It's not that far to Edinburgh. It does have that upside. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this is it for another episode of Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg Edition. Great to be finally reunited with you guys. It's been far too long. Well, no, it hasn't. I mean, how can you ever stay too long in the sun? Probably not. No. Well, and you haven't told us anything about Oman. It was lovely. It was lovely. Uh, I enjoyed uh, the beaches, the desert, enjoyed the great scenery that the mountains provide. It's a lovely country and it's it's well worth a visit. Uh, I went to the lovely city of Salala, which has uh, is it's not only fun to pronounce, it's it's a great place and you know, I've never felt that welcome in all of my life when and I've been traveling a lot, so um yeah, it was uh, it was a great experience for the entire family, and I I can wholeheartedly recommend it if you need some sun uh, during the winter month. So um, yeah, look up Salala for your troubles. And I was paid for that announcement by the tourist board of Salala. <laughs> no, I was not. Anyways, it was a great experience. But yes, this is the end of Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg edition. My name is Nick Miltong. You can find me on Twitter at Normusings. And you can find my work well on Talking Foosball. Mike, where can people find your work and where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, it's Mike Kru on Twitter and all the other social media platforms you might use when you don't want to follow Elon Musk anymore. And you better follow the Milan Tone instead. Yes, do follow Mike's TikTok. Jasmine, <laughs> where can people find you? Currently on Twitter at underscore Jasmine Barber, where all my work is currently. But... I will probably put my links to other things like my Instagram and Mastodon, so follow me there instead. Great. Mastodon, what's that? It's like Twitter, but Germans run it. Fantastic. I thought it was a Swedish metal band. Anyways, this is it for another edition of Talking Football Extra, which was produced by Aiden Rantul. We'll be back next week talking about HSV. Until then, it is goodbye for now.